You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. And what's up, guys? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Rosvoglu Report. And if you guys haven't already, make sure to go on to YouTube, type in Straight Up Saints Podcast, and you'll be able to get daily videos. I've been posting a lot on there. Uh, if you guys haven't already, I put up the Patreon page. I actually changed it. Now it's $1 a month. You support the podcast for literally a dollar, not asking for a whole lot. So if you guys can come in and join the Straight Up Saints squad, that would be greatly appreciated. The more supporters, the more content I'm putting out. My goal is to end up doing two live streams a week, two podcasts a week, and five to six videos a week that will go on YouTube. I think that's a lot to offer for a dollar a month. I think you guys would enjoy it. So if you're interested, guys, go to the link to this description or just check the below tweet from where you're getting your podcast and you can join the Patreon page for $1 a month. Now the Saints are coming off a big win and I celebrated like an ass on Monday and you did probably too. And we were dancing and we were singing and we were getting live to that big time win over the Bucks. where frankly, the Saints kicked their ass. The Saints laid the smackdown on the Tampa Bay Bucks candy ass, as Rock used to say. And a lot of people uh, think this is now where the Saints are going to make that midseason run like they usually do. Um, and others think, hey, maybe this is a letdown game. You're playing a 49ers team that's banged up, coming off a bad loss, and you might overlook them. But here's my thing for the Saints. It's not like there's a big game waiting on the other side of that Niners game. It's another game, I believe, against the Falcons. You're going to kind of take that as you usually do, a divisional approach. If you're the Saints, and I know this sounds crazy, Taking care of business against a team that's banged up and not playing good football is impressive. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, Chris, what are you talking about? That makes no sense. Hear me out for a sec. You're coming off a huge win, a win off a team that everyone was saying they were the number one team in the NFC. You beat them 38 to three. Now everyone's saying, hey, wait, what about the Saints? Maybe the Saints are a top team in the league. And maybe not everyone, because you have your Colin Cowards and your Chris Sims and your Mike Florios and too many morons in this world to say that, but people are starting to give the Saints respect, which they haven't gotten the last couple of weeks. So now they're getting the respect. Everyone's talking about the Saints playing well. This is the time where you could have a possible letdown game. If you come out and you take care of business against the 49ers, for me, that's impressive. And I think the Saints will come out with good energy because if you do remember, guys, last year, the loss to the 49ers cost the Saints a chance at the one seed. And the Saints lost in the first round. If they had the one seed, things could have been different. Who knows? So that's why for me, I think they're going to come out with energy. Now, for this show, I had to get this man on. I had to get on Matt Barr from the Pro Football Network. Big-time 49ers guy. Great analyst. Has great jokes. Um, really knows how to break down the game. And he's one of those guys, when it comes to quarterback talk, he's the one to go to. Um, he's a huge Zach Wilson guy from BYU who we'll talk about in a little bit. So, without further ado, let's get into that interview with Matt Barr. All right, now joining me inside the Straight Up Saints podcast is Matt Barr, the co-host of the 4th and Gold podcast and the breakdown for the Pro Football Network. He also writes for 49ers Hub. Matt, thanks for joining the show. Uh, I know it's been a tough season for the 49ers, but first, how are you doing? And how have you been coping with this year for the team? <laughs> a lot of alcohol. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, been a, it's, been a, it's been a rough season. It has been tough. Uh, but, you know, I'm doing fine. I, we still get a chance to talk about the NFL and 49ers football every week. So it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's just, uh, you know, you wish they were winning more. Absolutely. So I noticed you're one of those 49ers analysts that is, I'm going to say a realist. And I say this as someone who's seen a lot of delusion. And, and by that, I mean, I, I watch enough Colin Coward to know who's lying and who's not about 
what they think about a quarterback. You're one of those people who calls it straight. And you have always been on the, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is that good fence. And a lot of people have been taking their time to get there. I feel like you've been there before others. So have we seen the last of Jimmy Garoppolo in a 49ers jersey one? And two, who's that guy that you want to be the next quarterback of the 49ers? Uh, First part, is Jimmy Garoppolo done in San Francisco? I full wholeheartedly believe that. I really don't think there's any way they bring him back. They have an out on that contract. We saw him this year. People can say, oh, his injuries, oh, his ankle, oh, the offensive line stunk, oh, the, the wide receivers were hurt. Oh, No matter how you shake it, Jimmy Garoppolo is not playing good football this year. He had one good half where he looked really, really good, and that was against the Jets. So if you take that out, you take that half of football out of Jimmy Garoppolo's season, his season is bad. They just it's, it's a bad season for him. Um, he had to rely on stuff like Debo Samuel caught, I think it was like 14 straight passes behind the line of scrimmage. And that's how the 49ers had moved the ball. If that defense works, that's fine. But you can't sit there and say, well, Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy if he has to continually complete passes like that. You can't pay $28 million to a guy that throws it behind the line of scrimmage. I can do that. They need someone to catch shotgun snaps and poot pass it to Debo. I can do that. Give me $28 million. Um, I don't think he's on a team anymore. I think there's just too much money involved. and It's it's too easy of an out. Uh, As for the answer for quarterback for the long term, it's not on the roster. It's not. I don't think Jimmy's the answer. We know Nick Mullins isn't the answer. We know C.J. Beathard is the answer. So, really, it's going to be – it's going to come down to – do they go get someone like Sam Darnold? They, they, the, the team has, has talked internally about it and actually contacted the Jets about Darnold in the past. Do they do that? Uh, I don't know. We've seen Adam Peters, who is, for all intents and purposes, their top scouting guy. He's been to see Zach Wilson play at BYU and Mac Jones at Alabama. You know, we had we had the information that he was at BYU before the game kicked off, and then you know Matt Miller reports it, and it blows up. And well, we told you guys, but uh, it's uh, do they go rookie? Do they go veteran? I don't know. Somebody like Matt Ryan, somebody like Matt Stafford, somebody like Sam Darnold. A lot of moving parts to figure out. There's gonna be a lot of heads rolling on Black Monday this year. I think I think we see a lot of head coaches get fired, and I think the 49ers have a much better idea of their quarterback for the future after the head coaching stuff kind of gets settled in and we start to see whether these veteran quarterbacks are released or traded or, or what have you. So are you, let's say someone gives you the option. Are you going, cause I've noticed you're a big fan of him. I sometimes post about him just to get saints fans riled up because he's an intriguing prospect. Zach Wilson's fun to watch. I know people, it's hard to watch BYU games all the time because we're interested in watching the Ohio States and the Clemson's, but BYU has been for lack of a better word, kicking people's asses. You saw at Boise state last week, they looked good. Would you rather have a guy like Zach Wilson or would you rather, um, if it's presented to you, take a Sam Darnold? Because I know a lot of people are bringing up Matt Ryan, but when I look at the dead cap money, I'm almost like, I'm not so sure Atlanta's going to be giving him away and basically having $40 million in dead cap for Matt Ryan not to play for them. So are you, would you rather be on the Darnold side of things or would you rather go with the young guy like Wilson who we don't know what he could be, but who knows? He's got the arm talent. Zach Wilson's at the top of my list, and he has recently passed over Trey Lance for me, uh, which is hard for me to do. I'm an FCS guy. I went to JMU, so I watched North Dakota State, you know, just demolish JMU a lot. So I'm used to seeing guys like Trey Lance play, and I know they don't play Division II football. It's FCS. It's not Division II. Uh, they say they talk about the lack of competition, but, you know, whatever. If you have the skills, you have the skills. And I think Zach Wilson is one of those guys where I think he can come in and be a day-one starter. I think Trey Lance is a guy you need to bring in. He's going to need to sit for a little bit. Uh, so Trey, or excuse me, Zach Wilson tops my list for guys that I personally want the 49ers to go out and get. I think he's mobile. He's a really sneaky 6'3". If you look at him and you watch him play, you're like, 
guy's not six three, and then all of a sudden he gets out on the on the run and and out in open space. You're like, oh, he can move and he's got long strides. It kind of reminds you he runs a little bit kind of like Colin Kaepernick, but there's really super long strides. It's it's fun to watch. Um, insane arm talent, willingness to throw the ball down the field. I, I he tops the list for me. Sam Darnold is someone for me that is such an intriguing player because we saw what happened to Tannehill as soon as he got away from Adam Gase and he got his confidence back and, and can Darnold do it? I don't know. I don't know, but, but he's interesting. What I really want the 49ers to do is go get someone that's going to be there for 10 years. I'm tired of this recycled quarterback every three years. They've got a new quarterback and it's just, it's a never ending cycle. Just give me a guy that's going to be there for 10 years. If, if you believe it's going to be Sam Darnold, Go all in on Sam Darnold. If you believe it's going to be Zach Wilson or Trey Lance, or if you want to trade up for someone like Justin Fields, then make that happen. But they need to get a solid, concrete answer at quarterback. Because as a Saints guy, you know Drew Brees has been there for the last like 87 years. It's nice to know what's happening with your quarterback situation. The 49ers is just always such a big question mark. I just want a definitive answer. That's all I want. Yeah, absolutely. That's fair. Now, before I get into the injury report, and actually this week, it's not that bad for you guys up to, you know, if you go by your standard, <laughs> that's probably because most of them are on injured reserve, but mm-hmm. it's not that bad. And we'll get into it. What's one thing this season, or at least one positive you're taking away that you're, you're looking at it. And obviously so many things have gone wrong, but you're like, Hey, look, that guy looks good. Or this part of the team looks good. What's that one positive for you? Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk selected in the first round. Everybody kind of questioned like, why would they leave CD Lamb on the table? Why would they leave you know Jerry Judy on the table? Why wouldn't they? Why would why they trade up to get this IU kid from Arizona State? And we found out real quick as soon as he hit the field, he's just he makes play after play after play. Um, if you can get him the ball, and the quarterbacks haven't really been able to do that so far this year, but if you can get him the ball, he's going to make plays. And I, I absolutely love watching this kid play the game of football because he's he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. He runs incredible routes. He's got good hands. He's he's the he's the real deal. And, and, and just the, the thought of him and Debo Samuel and George Kittle being your top three weapons in the passing game moving forward, is it's very comforting to 49ers fans because Ayuk is every bit as exciting as, as anyone could have hoped he could be when I get him in the back end of the first round. Yeah, he's, he's been great to watch. He's one of those players that even people who aren't big football fans, and I'll give you the example when he had that hurdle, I think it was against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I was with a couple of my friends, they're not even football fans, and all of them, their jaws just dropped. Like, what the hell was that? Like, that's amazing. And he's the type of guy that when you watch him, I'm almost – and this is my, my – I'm not going to say my hate against the Packers leaking in here, but I am so grateful that the Packers didn't add a guy like him to their offense this year and put him with Devontae Adams. That would be scary. So – Let's get into the injury report. Let's talk about it. What were your main takeaways from it? Do you think we'll possibly see Debo this weekend? What's your thoughts right now looking at it? Uh, the biggest takeaway is that Raheem Mostert has been ruled out. There's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of optimism that Raheem Mostert could get back this week. Raheem Mostert is the focal point of this offense at this point. You know, with George Kittle out, with Debo maybe not going to play, they said they're going to reevaluate him Thursday. We're recording Wednesday night, so we'll reevaluate him tomorrow. Um, I don't think he plays. I think they just let him get fully healthy. This isn't the year where – you need them to rush back so you can try and win a game here. This is, this is, this is the long game at this point. Fortnite's playing the long game. Uh, but it sounds like Tevin Coleman is, is 50-50 for the game. If I had to guess, he's probably not going to play, which means it's going to be back to Jermichael Hasty and, and Jarek McKinnon as your guys in the backfield, which is crazy when you think about how stacked this backfield was coming into the year and now they're down to like their you know, fifth, fifth string. And Jermichael Hasty, the undrafted guy, and then Jarek McKinnon coming off a pair of missed seasons because of an ACL injury. Nothing stands out on the injury 
Rappaport, just $80 million sitting on IR right now. And there's not a whole lot the 49ers can do about it. I mean, you're talking your quarterback, your tight end, you know, Richard Sherman. Oh, Richard Sherman did open his practice window. So Richard Sherman may play this week. I, again, I don't think so. I'm surprised. I really thought that he was just going to be a season-long IR. Just ride it out. He, because he's a free agent in the offseason, doesn't want to get, get himself hurt in a season that's pretty well lost at this point. But uh, maybe we see Richard Sherman. That'd be kind of fun to watch Sherman and, and Thomas kind of go at it a little bit. Yeah, look, I, I would totally be down for that. We saw last year, it feels like Sherman had his number for the first couple of quarters, then fourth quarter, we saw Michael Thomas get going. Now, obviously, if the Niners are going to have a chance to win this game, Nick Mullins needs to play better than he did last week. But to be fair, he also had zero time in the pocket. Um, that was tough to watch. What are your expectations from Nick in terms of can he have a bounce back game? What, or do you think it's just going to be another one of those days, especially if Debo's not there, that there's not a lot, a lot of options out there that are open. He doesn't have much time to throw. What are you thinking? Uh, I'm really thinking that we're going to see the stat line that we saw in the Packers game. I think it's going to be pretty similar to that. Um, you know, when you look at how just, just how decimated this team is across the board, they're like their fourth center. Like, come on. How are you on your, you don't even have four centers. How, how is that happening? Um, I really think that they're going to see a similar stat line. I just don't think that all of the positives are going to come in, in garbage time which they did against the Packers. So, you know, maybe we see him come out with a little bit extra fire. I think the short week really messed with everybody. I think it really messed with everybody. It was a short week. They had the COVID cases with Kendrick Bourne. He loses his left tackle and Brandon Ayuk and Kendrick Bourne. You're all of a sudden down to Trent Taylor and a guy named River Craft. I think that's how you say his name. Craycraft. I don't know. It's just a fun name to say. Um, but you're, you're, you're getting guys like that that are taking legitimate snaps. And that, that's – it's tough for any quarterback. So I think we're going to see something like maybe those for 220 yards, one touchdown, one interception, maybe he fumbles a ball. But I'm not expecting the world. I, I don't think that, that Nick Mullins is going to come out and light it up. I think uh, the Saints are riding high after that win against Tampa Bay, and I think they're going to keep cruising on, on against this just battered 49ers team. So interestingly enough, I actually wanted to mention it, and – you don't need to tell a Saints fan to take a shot at Goodell. I feel like it's just like automatically. And you know from my tweets sometimes, if I can take a shot at Goodell and the refs, I do it. This has nothing to do with the refs, but when listening to the broadcast for Niners Packers, for Aikman to say Shanahan told us straight up 85% of his game plan were going to receivers that uh, you know 24 hours later can't even play, it's like, all right, the game should have been moved. Like I don't understand why it even happened. Um, but it is what it is. Someone I wanted to ask you about that the Saints aren't sure if he's playing yet. They're still trying to figure out. They'll, they'll see once practice uh, ends on Friday. Quan Alexander, obviously you know a lot about him being with the 49ers. I thought it was one of those moves where it's kind of win-win for both teams. The Niners have great linebackers in, in Fred Warner, um, and Greenlaw is really turning into a rising star. And then for the Saints, it's DeMario Davis and a whole lot of nothing. So the hope is Quan, although at times can miss a lot of tackles and, and be inconsistent, the Saints can use a guy like him. Uh, so for Saints fans wondering, what do you think they should expect from a guy like Quan Alexander? Energy. Energy. That's what, that's what Quan Alexander is. He's an energy guy. And you talked about how good Fred Warner is and how Drake Greenlaw has really started to come along. Without Quan Alexander, Fred Warner's not who he is. Drake Greenlaw isn't who he is. He, Quan Alexander was, was overpaid to come in and play in San Francisco. But when you're 2-14, and 14, or you know, 4-12, and 12, I guess they were, they're picking second, second overall in the draft. When you're a bad team, you have to overpay guys to come play for you. There's not a bunch of guys who are just lining up going, hell yes, I want to go play for the team picking second overall. That's it. It's, it's not the answer. So you got to overpay to get guys. They overpaid, they overpaid Quan to come in. He did what he had to do. Uh, he provided 
the entire identity to the 49ers defense last year. Uh, during the Carolina Panthers game, uh, they dropped a third down pass, and he told them to get their sorry asses off the field. And you could, you could hear it on the hot mic, and everybody lost, and it was like, yeah, this is awesome. This is exactly what we want from this 49ers defense. They're big, they're mean, they're aggressive. Energy and, and attitude is what Quan Alexander brings the most. And I think if, if the Saints are worth lacking at in any way, he's a great locker room guy. He's an incredible locker room guy. Uh, he, he is a little bit inconsistent. He's just okay in pass coverage. He does miss tackles, but uh, he makes them splash plays. And they go, oh, okay. Okay, Quan. And it's just it's, – it's a balance of, of really big splash plays and then head scratchers. Like, just, just wrap him up, man. What are you doing? So, it, with Quan on an already good defense that they have at New Orleans, it, it's a good addition. Like you said, it's Demario Davis and nobody. So, he's going to be an immediate upgrade for them. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if he plays this weekend. If he does, it's not going to be like a Quan Alexander revenge game. There's no, I don't think there's any bad blood when the 49ers moved him. They just had to get that money off the books because they're about to be in salary cap hell. Yeah, I'm actually glad you mentioned no revenge game because the two former 49ers, Quan and Emmanuel Sanders, like the first thing they mentioned about the Niners was all good things. So like there's no, it's kind of like with Teddy Bridgewater, people are like, oh, here comes the revenge game. Like Teddy loved the Saints. I mean, look, I get it sounds nicer but it really is no revenge factor there. Um, obviously, the reason I think the Saints went after Quan and it, it's a no-brainer, this is probably Drew Brees' last season. They're pushing it, mm -hmm. trying to put all their chips on the table. Um, and I know you've had fun with this on Twitter, and I, the reactions usually in your replies are great, where you have like these – it's the washed-up sweepstakes between mm -hmm. and Brees, and every week it goes back. And through the first three weeks, I was like, man – and, I, and I, I didn't tell people on the podcast until – after you started playing well, but I was watching those games. I was like biting my nails. I'm like, man, Drew looks like crap. But the last month and a half, he look he looks like Drew. And look, Drew doesn't push the ball down the field anymore. Mm -hmm. I get it. It's all about the 10 to 15 yard window. That that's the deep ball for Drew now. But when he's still completing 70 plus percent of his passes, you totally live with it. And he's so efficient. And while the physical tools aren't there, I think mentally he's just a step ahead of almost every defender. Where are you as someone who obviously isn't just going to be a Saints homer. What do you think when you're watching Drew Brees, at least the last couple of weeks? Because it was brutal at first, but now it seems like he's picking up the pace. It seems like he's settled in. The lack of preseason, the lack of a real training camp and all this stuff really hit everybody hard. I think it hit, uh, it hit rookies really, really hard. And then some of these older quarterbacks, uh, we saw Ben kind of come out the gate and just be okay. We saw Tom come out of the gate and look just like poor for a while. Tom Brady, uh, Drew Brees, a lot of the same. Um, particularly looked really, really bad on the Monday Night Football game against the Las Vegas Raiders. I think that was week two. Um, looked really bad. And that's when I started to be like, oh, man, these guys really all washed at the same time. But he settled in, and, and like you said, he may not have the physical tools to push the ball down the field anymore. It's probably true. He doesn't. But what he does have is the mental capacity to be three steps ahead of the defensive coordinator. That's exactly where Drew Brees lives right now. And this isn't going to be a high-flying – offense in the sense that they're not going to bomb it out 40 yards every play and, and expect Michael Thomas to come down with 70 yard catches. What they are going to get is they're going to move the ball consistently. They're going to lean on Alvin Kamara. They're going to lean on Michael Thomas. They're going to lean on guys like veterans like Jared Cook to make some key plays. And, and Drew Brees is just going to do what he does, which is be really accurate with football, really accurate with the football. Uh, I think the only way that you can ever really hope to beat the saints is to put them in third and long situations consistently. As soon as you need Drew Brees to throw the ball 15, 20 yards downfield, that's when you're going to start winning against them. But they were just ahead of the sticks the entire time against the Bucs, and that's why that offense just cruised through Tampa Bay's defense, which had 
just two weeks ago shut down the Packers to nothing. So really, this is this is such a wild, such a wild turnaround that game. I couldn't believe it. I watched the whole thing because I hate myself. But you know, I, I don't know how. I don't know how the, the the Saints did it. They stayed they stayed ahead of the sticks, and and Drew Brees got to just do his thing. And it's I'm rooting for Drew. I'm not a big Saints guy. I, I think Saints fans are a little. I'm sure everybody listening to the podcast is going to come after me for this, but I think Saints fans are a little whiny at times, and oh, no, so are 49ers fans. We're whiny. For the record, 49ers fans are too, so everybody can come after me on my side for that one too. Um, but it's just I, I'm rooting for Drew Brees. I like the whole swan song thing. Like He's going to go out on top, and, and I think that they have the best shot in the NFC right now because they've just waxed the Bucks twice in a row, and that was the only team that I really thought was standing between them and and dominance in the NFC because I don't think yeah, she's a mess. Yeah, she's a mess. It's it's nuts. So I, I think I think it's I think the Saints are the top dog in the NFC right now. Yeah, I mean I do I don't know if I'll go with top dog just because like there's so much uncertainty this year. And and this last year it was all right, Niners are the top and the Packers and the Saints look good. And there was at least a couple of powerhouses in the NFC. I don't get that feel anymore. Uh, I know people like to tell me let Russ cook. I he can cook, but that defense is atrocious. Obviously, the Packers Packers are that type of team when you punch them in the mouth. I don't know if they're going to punch back, so I'm a little concerned there. Um, for the Saints, though, with the fan thing that you mentioned real quick, it's funny. I didn't think the Saints fan base was bad till after the NFC Championship game because a lot of us, and this is myself included, we were just so set on, okay, we're winning in 2018. Like the same record as the 20, uh, 2009 year, they lost to the same exact teams, and we all bought into this deja vu thing, and then it got <laughs> taken from us. Granted, obviously, they still had a chance to win, and they didn't take it. But man, ever since, it's just like if something goes wrong, blame the refs. And I, I'm, I'm a victim of it too. Uh, but it, it is pretty funny. So I wanted to ask you for this game. What Obviously, the Niners are going to be underdogs. Where There's no mm-hmm. sugarcoating that. What are a couple of keys, maybe two to three, that you think would give them a chance of staying in this football game and possibly pulling off the upset? Yeah, like I said, the only way you're really going to be able to compete with, with the Saints is to make sure that they're – in third and long, a lot consistently. And uh, if they can't do that, then they're going to be in big trouble. I think, I think that's absolutely the biggest one, uh, is keep them in third and long for a very as often as they can. As often as they can. Again, it's not something I think they can do. Uh, then they have to run the ball, control the clock. You want to – basic football 101, right? The more time you control it, the less time the, the opponent has it. And then uh, thirdly, they're going to have to find some way to generate – a pass rush, just anything. They, they, Nick Bosa and D Ford have missed pretty much the entire year. Uh, Armstead is is not. <laughs> he's showing that he's not the guy when he's out there by himself as the top dog. Uh, Kinlaw looks good, but he's a rookie, he's still learning, and he's not ever really going to be a huge sack guy. He's more of a just a disruptor in, in, in the run game and and uh, a guy that applies pressure but doesn't really close. So. <sighs> Find some way to generate some pressure, keep Drew Brees uncomfortable, and keep him behind the sticks. And then when you have the ball, just run it a lot. Just, just turn around and run the ball. I, I don't know why they didn't do that against the Packers last week. Packers had a miserable run defense, and the 49ers come out and they pass, like, the first five plays. I'm like, well, the backup quarterback's in, man. Just turn around and hand the ball off. So, yeah, it's just going to be – oh, I think this one's going to be a bloodbath. I'm not really excited to watch this game. Yeah, well, you mentioned last game as someone who started Jermichael Hasty with confidence, like a mm-hmm. moron. I was like, okay, this kid is phenomenal. I just saw Dalvin Cook destroy the Packers' run defense. I was like, okay, Hasty, because I, I think the kid looks really good mm-hmm. when he gets the football. I, I think his jump cuts are really ta- really skilled, and 
he's tough to take down, and I like that type of play. Um, I'm not exactly sure why. I mean, I know it's Shanahan's thing. He never really – he sticks with the hot hand half the time, and he's, he's got loyalty to McKinnon. I get it. Same with Coleman. Those were his guys beforehand. So I understand. Um, you, you mentioned it might be a bloodbath. So the last thing I want to ask you, what would be, one, your score prediction, and two, who would be your star of the game for not just the, the Niners but also the Saints, if you had a guess? Oh, boy. Okay, so prediction for the game. Um, I'm looking up the, the spread real fast. The spread's nine and a half, and I think that's very, very generous for the 49ers. Um, I think this is a two like, – I think this is like a two-touchdown game at, at least. Um, I'm going to take 31-17 as, as my score prediction. I just think the Saints offense is too much. I think the player of the game for the Saints is going to be Alvin Kamara. Love Fred Warner, but we saw – Last week for the 49ers against the Packers, Aaron Jones, like they weren't, they weren't wrapping him up. They were just throwing shoulders and they were just like, he's bouncing around like a pinball. If you do that against Kamara, he's going to destroy you. And he's going to run right through arm tackles. He's going to, yeah. Kamara is going to be the player of the game. If I had Alvin Kamara in fantasy, I would be licking my chops right now uh, to have him in the starting lineup. Uh, for the 49ers, I think their player of the game. <laughs> I don't know. She, uh, let's go Fred Warner because Fred Warner's the best linebacker in football. So I'm just going to say it's going to be Fred Warner, and he's going to be the only reason it's not, you know, like 49 points. It's, it's, he holds him to 31 just because Fred Warner does so much for the 49ers just in coverage and in, in, in run defense and tackling and everything. I, just, I love him so much. I hope they get that extension done. Yeah, I, I got a lot of heat during the Thursday night game. I was like, okay, guys, Fred Warner's the best linebacker in football. And I had Saints fans who were at me. And then better yet, I had some Seahawks fans who found me. And they're like, hey, have you ever heard of Bobby Wagner? I was like, I, no shit, I've heard of Bobby Wagner. <laughs> I said this season, I think Fred's been the best linebacker, which he has. Also, for people who don't watch every Niners game, I, I end up getting stuck watching almost every single one because my family members – Fred makes some insane interceptions, like the hands on that dude. It always looks like it's mm -hmm. about to hit the floor, and it's just a clean catch every single time. So, I mean, the, the guy is fantastic. Uh, as for Saints fans wondering what I'm predicting for this game, I'm not, I don't think it's going to be as much as a bloodbath as you predict. For, and here's the only reason why. The Saints are riding super high off that victory, and I'm, I'm always of the philosophy of that a good head coach, when his team gets embarrassed, they usually have a much better performance the next week. And I think, look, the Niners don't have the pieces, so the Saints should win. If the Saints don't win, there's problems here. Um, but I think the Niners will play well enough. And Shanahan always coaches pretty well against Sean Payton. So I'm actually going to go 30-20. to 20. I think the Niners at least keep it a 10-point game. Um, and I just think that the, for the Saints, they might start off a little slow because you're, you're drinking the Kool-Aid and you're getting all excited after that big win over the Bucs. Um, but I think it'll be a fun one for sure. Uh, and who knows, maybe we get some explosive plays. Michael Thomas, Ayuk, we'll see what happens. Uh, Matt, before you go, where can people find and follow you, uh, your work, your Twitter, where can they reach you at? Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank, Chris, thank you so much for having me on. This is, it's always fun to come on and talk 49ers football with, with, with people that cover other teams because we don't get to do it a whole lot. Um, uh, but you can find us at 4th and Gold Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we're, we work for Pro Football Network every Sunday night after the – Four o'clock games end. Uh, we do a show called The Breakdown. Mike Tanier joins us uh, to talk all his stuff and he, he's going to have for his articles up Monday morning. And then me and Javi kind of do some fantasy players of the day, the offensive value metric uh, for, for PFN. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at Matt Bar underscore some written words at 49ers Hub. Uh, just come chirp at me because I, I have nothing to do. So I love to just go back and forth with people. So if you got something to say, if you're upset, like called you whiny, come find me out. 
I'll defend myself. I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll yuck it up. Sounds great, Matt. So that's going to do it, guys, for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Again, if you haven't, make sure to rate, subscribe, and review the podcast on Apple. So thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your week, and let's hope the Saints can extend their winning streak to a sixth straight game.